Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, so this is week three in a message series called Back in the Day. Uh, we have been, for the last couple of weeks, uh, walking our way through what I think is a pretty weird set of sermons, but you guys have been really tolerant, and I'm very grateful for that, by the way. Uh, if, you're, if you're new to our church, uh, I've been very introspective lately. I've been thinking hard about kind of my life and where it's gone and what's happening, and, and, and part of that is because uh, I am fast approaching a pretty weird milestone. I am turning 50 this week, so that's kind of a weird thing. Thank you uh, for that. All I really did was keep breathing, but I appreciate the applause, so, uh, and it's weird, though, to think that that is true, because that's a big one, you know, but I've been thinking about it, and I've been thinking about where my life has gone, and, and one thing I did along the way, I started when I was a teenager, I started keeping a journal, so at different times in my life, I would kind of write down my thoughts and write down what was happening, and, and uh, it wasn't like I kept a journal every day. That would be a crazy amount of books, but I've got a, I do have a pretty good stack of notebooks that I've recorded over the years, just stuff that was going on back in the day uh, at different points in my life, and I, I've been rereading some of that. I went back and reread journals from when I was a teenager and, and on through my 20s and 30s and different times in my life, and I kept having this recurring daydream. I kept having this desire. Have you ever, you ever want to travel back in time and slap your younger self in the head? I just kept, I kept having this impulse like, oh, I just want to go back and choke my younger self. Like, I just want to, like, come on, man. What, what are you, why are you so worried about that? That doesn't turn into anything. Or why aren't you worried about that? Can't you see that coming? Like, there are times when I just wish, and maybe you guys can relate to this, anybody besides me relate to this, I want to go back and, and relive portions of my life knowing what I know now. You know, I want to take the knowledge I've gleaned now and go back to then and relive my life knowing what I know now. And, and every, I mean, it just kept coming up. As I read the journal, I kept having this impulse. And then I thought, well, let's have some fun with that impulse. Albert Einstein once theorized that time travel was possible. So let's assume at some point it becomes possible to send a message back through time to your younger self. So in week one, two weeks ago, I recorded a message to my 15-year-old self, and last week I recorded a message to my 21-year-old self. Now last week, my 21-year-old self was having a lot of issues with my father, who has long since passed away, and we, we were able to clear the decks and, and, and reconcile before he passed, but in my 20s, it was not a good scene, and I shared some of that. It was weird. I didn't really share it with you. I shared it with me, and you got to listen in. <laughs> so, uh, but a lot of you were uh, kind enough to email me and kind of talk to me afterwards about how that sort of had an effect on your life and, 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 and moved, and, you know, the Lord moved a little bit in you over that, because I think we all of us. Don't we have some family of origin issues, some stuff we've got to reconcile with our moms and dads? So for those of you who have been tolerant of this whole thing and listening to me and, and, and rolling with it, I just want you to know I really appreciate you allowing me the freedom to do weird stuff like this uh, embedded within a sermon. Today I am traveling back in time uh, or sending a message back in time to my 33-year-old self. Now my 33-year-old self is having his last year as a youth pastor and his first year as the lead pastor of True North Community Church. 
Yesterday, September 18th, our church had its 17th birthday, if you can believe that. Yeah, so our church is now 17 years old, and we're, you know, which means, you know, we're growing up, but we still have some pimples. That's what's going on, okay? Uh, so our, our church is 17 years old, and, and 17 years ago, we, we were just clearing our throat and just getting ready to start. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send a message back in time to myself as a brand, like, newly minted, newly ordained pastor starting a brand new church, and I'm going to be telling myself some stuff to kind of watch out for. So if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you already get where I'm going. If you're new to our church, in a minute I'm going to look at the camera, and ostensibly I'll be recording something for my younger self, and then when I'm done with that, I'll come back to you. Oh, and I got, look, look what I got. I got a, a present this week. Check it out. Look, look, ready? Ha! Got it. Okay. So somebody got that for me, and I was all excited. Okay, so let's begin. Bert. It's Bert. Uh, it's been seven days for me since our last contact, but it's been 12 years for you. And buddy, that's a long time. The years between 21 and 33 were really big. So you're here in your last year as a youth pastor, and you love being a youth pastor. You love what you do. You love, uh, you love the calling, you love the job, and you love just kind of where you are. The year is 2004. You're a little bit, last time we talked, you were very discouraged about the music scene. You're, you're, you're recovering. There's some, there's some uh, the rock and roll, the rock scene is kind of recovered. You know, uh, there's bands like The Killers and Jimmy Eat World uh, and Snow Patrol. Like, they're kind of making, and the Foo Fighters, like, they're making some good rock, so you're kind of, you're okay. When you, when you uh, turn on the radio, you're hearing songs like Mr. Brightside. You're hearing songs like The Reason by Hoobastank, and you're hearing songs like Let's Get It Started uh, by the Black Eyed Peas. And if you'll just tee it for one second. That's right, church. Those songs are 17 years old. <laughs> Anybody besides me feeling old now? How you like me now? Okay, so, and when you go to the movies in 2004, you're seeing such classic, timeless films as Barbershop 2, Back in Business. Dirty Dancing, Havana Nights, and I Heart Huckabees. 2004 was not a good year for, for movies. Sorry, man, it, it bees like that sometimes. So that's the story. Um, but you're in your last year as a youth pastor, and you love it. I mean, you just love what you do. Uh, you, you, you started an evening service uh, for your students, and it took off like a rocket, and now pe more people are coming, and, and, and additional people are coming, and uh, grown-ups are starting to attend it, and you don't know what to do with that, um, but you love what you do, and you love where you are, and you've just got a nice, comfortable lane to drive in. There's some other stuff at the church that isn't going so well, but, but you're, you, you love what's happening with your ministry, and the ministry that God's, you know, doing in with and through you, and with a team of people, and so you're, you're kind of, you got it pretty good at this moment. Things are okay. But there is, inside of you, a growing restlessness. I'm, I see it in your journal entries. You're restless. You know there's something else. You don't know what to call it. You don't know what it is. But you've observed that you get more restless when you attend your seminary classes, when you go to school and you meet with your classmates from different parts of the country, you're hearing them talk about something you've never heard talked about before. You're hearing them talk about something that's new to you. They're talking about church planting. 
And you never heard that phrase before. This is when somebody just starts a church where there once was no church. Like a church just comes to exist and begins out of nowhere. And that to you is weird because every church you've ever been a part of is, is 100 or 150 years old. Somebody started it way, way back before you were born. You've never seen or heard of a church just starting from scratch. But you're listening to your classmates and some of them are talking about this and they're talking about how excited they are and what a great adventure it is and how, how they just have to trust God for everything. And there's just something inside of you that is getting turned on. Like there's a, a switch that's being flipped in you and you're being drawn to that. But then what happens is you go home and you slip right back into that comfortable lane you've been running and you slip right back into, into, into that, that slot where you've been. And by now, you're learning that you're not going to be able to stay in that lane for too much longer. Something's coming. That thing inside of you, that calling, that restlessness, that thing that you're going to have to yield to, it's a church. It's a church, and it's so fun, it's ridiculous. You don't even know what it's called yet. You don't even know its name. Its name is True North Community Church. And you have no, you have no concept for what it looks like or feels like. You've never been a part of a church like the church that you eventually, uh, God calls you to lead. And buddy, it's a blast. I mean, it's super, super fun, but I'm here today traveling back in time with this message to warn you about some stuff that's coming your way that you need to pay attention to. Because ministry is a system of infinite need. It will suck the life right out of you if you do it wrong. And I'm sorry to say that for a few years, you do it wrong. So I'm trying to get back in time to help you kind of collect your thoughts and collect yourself. So for starters, I'm going to hit you with this. One of the most important things for you to pursue and focus on in your early years is authenticity. Be careful who you're trying to impress. When you begin the church and the thing takes off, you know you can hit the ball hard with high school students and college students. But for a church, like you actually have no idea if grown-ups will come to a church that you lead. You have no idea if anyone will take you seriously. All you've ever been is a youth pastor. You don't know if anyone will ever see you as a real pastor. So when you preach and when you operate and when you lead, you're trying to impress. You don't realize it, but you're trying to impress a group of sort of mature Christians who have come to, to check things out. And you really want those people to take you seriously. You really want those people to affirm you. You want those people to approve of you. you, you and, and you see, when you get into deep theological concepts, you see how they go, mm, and they, they sort of like that. And, and every time you dive into deep theological concepts, your mature Christians love it, and everybody else in the room gets lost. Remember who you're called to speak to. You're not here to impress Christians. You're not on this planet to impress people of any kind. Your goal is to honor God. Don't worry about the approval of men. Don't worry about the approval of women. Don't worry about who thinks what about you. You have enough of a people pleaser in you, and I see it. I see it in your journals. You're worried that this one's angry at you. You're worried that you let this person down. This person said something to you that you didn't like, and it's now it's gnawing away at you because you think maybe they think less of you. You're just constantly worried about what others think of you. And what you need to do 
is set all of that to the side and just worry about what God thinks of you. Honor him and be obedient to him and walk with him and you'll get that figured out. Part of authenticity also means when you screw up, admit it. Nobody in the church expects you to be perfect. That's something you put on yourself. Nobody here expects you to be perfect. Everybody here understands you're just a regular human being, and actually if you were perfect, it would just be terribly discouraging for them. You're a much better leader when people know that you are flawed and that you are human and that you're just a sinner saved by God's grace like everybody else in the room. So stay on that. Remember the words of Psalm 139. This is Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I'm going to read that one more time. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Search me, O oh God, know me, test me, see it all. Unlock every room to him. Let, let God get into every room in the house, buddy. Just let him into all of it. And when you screw up, and you are going to screw up, come clean, admit it, and receive his forgiveness, and don't try to pretend to be something that you're not. Authenticity is your friend. And secondly, and this is big, if you don't hear anything else I say in any of these messages, you need to hear this. You must, and I mean you must, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You must be ruthless with it. You must eliminate hurry from your life. Hurry is your enemy, and buddy, as the church begins, you are always in a hurry. You're... I'm having a private conversation with myself, dude. Sorry. You're always in a hurry. You're running around like crazy, and, and there, it, you're learning. I mean, it, it was similar as a youth pastor, but... As the lead pastor of a church, it got exponentially worse. You're never done. Like, you don't ever get to the end of a day and go, I'm done. There's always more to do. There's always another sermon to write, and it takes a long time. And, and there's always another book to read. When you get together with other pastors, they're all talking about the, the books that they read and the things they've listened to. And, you're not even up on any of that, so you kind of feel like you're not doing a good enough job, and you feel like you got to read all this stuff, and then, and there's always another person that needs to talk to you. There's always another, somebody that needs a visit. There's always something else going on that needs your attention, and it gets to a point where you're so crushed by your task list, and you're so beat down by what you're not accomplishing that you're not even fully present with the people you're talking to. When people connect with you and they talk to you, all you're thinking about is all the stuff you're not getting done. 
And so you're, 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 not only are you not getting stuff done, you're not, you're not even feeling good about the things that you are getting done. You're not taking any encouragement from what you are doing. All you're doing is focusing on all the stuff you're not doing. And buddy, if you don't get a handle on it, it'll chew you up. Ministry is a system of infinite need, and you are a person of finite means. You have to tap into a source greater than yourself, and that means margins, boundaries. You can't do it all. You can't be at every Bible study. You can't lead every small group. You can't meet every single need and issue and thing that's going on. You just can't. And the sooner you quit feeling guilty about that, the healthier you're going to be. What you need to do is figure out how to be fully present with whoever you're with. To ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Jesus did that. He was always busy, but he was never hurried. And anytime he interacted with somebody, search the New Testament, you'll see that I'm right about this. Anytime he interacted with somebody, everything else came to a screeching halt and he gave that person his full attention. In other words, the items on your do list, uh, do list and the tasks you're focusing on accomplishing are far less important than the person standing in front of you. The person in front of you is far more important than whatever unchecked item there is on your do list. The person standing in front of you is always more important than whatever else you feel like you should be doing as a pastor. That person you're eye to eye with is God's beloved son or daughter. And what they need from you in that moment is just to listen and be fully there with them. You're not going to be able to pull that off unless you ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Set boundaries. Set margins. Take time aside to be still. Take time aside to be quiet. Know that it, this is not all about you. You do not have to carry this church on your shoulders. It's God's church. It's always been his church. Your job is to serve and lead and stay in your lane and stay healthy. And buddy, there are a few years when you just about come off the rails because you're just trying to do it all because you feel so guilty, because you feel like you're not living up, like you'll never be good enough. And bro, when you get that figured out and you settle that down, it all becomes a lot easier. So you're going to be able to avoid a lot of collateral damage in your life if you learn this early and, and get this part figured out. So, wrapping up. Authenticity. Be who you are. Remember the words of the great preacher E.V. Hill. Be who you is. If you ain't who you is, then you is who you ain't. Remember that. Stay on that. When you screw up, admit it, and ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life so you can be fully present with whoever's in front of you. Keep those boundaries, and you will, by God's grace alone, get through this next season and be okay. I will come back to visit you one more time seven years from now when you're turning 40. See you then. Peace. And cut. All right, cool. Thanks. Right. So what did you guys hear in that whole thing that might 
apply to you. I bet I'm not the only one in the room who spends time worrying what others think, right? Uh, we all have, even, even the most rugged individualist among us, even the one, even the, the, the biggest I don't care person, like you can take me or leave me, I get it, I understand, I've heard all that chatter, we still have an inner voice. And it still troubles us when we disappoint others. So maybe there's something inside of you that spends an awful lot of time worrying about whether or not you've let everybody else down. Wondering about whether or not this person's mad at you, or that person's angry at you, or this person's disapproving of you, or if this person doesn't think well of you, this person said something on social media and you can't figure out if they were talking about you and now it's running around in there. Like, you just, after a while, it will suck the life out of you. And maybe what we all need is just a reminder that our calling on this earth is not to make everybody happy. Your calling on this planet is not, and this is, let me tee up. If you're not a believer, this may not apply to you. Like if this is your first time here and you would not self-identify as a Christian, like you're here and you're like, I don't self-identify as anything. I'm just visiting today. If this is, that's you, this may not apply to you. But if you're a believer, if you would self-identify as a Christ follower, you would self-identify as a Christian, then your calling on this earth is not to make everybody else around you happy. Your calling on this earth is to honor God first. Now you can say amen, whoever you are. Um, now you're calling on this earth. You missed your window, bro. Okay, so now you're, you're calling on this earth is to, is to honor God first, to put him first, and to say, you know what, I'm not going to spend my life worrying about what everybody else thinks of me. Some of you just need a little dose of that. You need a little dose of let it go. You need a little dose of I'm going to focus on God. And look, that doesn't mean disregard everybody. If you have apologies to make, make them. If you have things you need to own, own those things. But once you've made your apologies and owned what's yours to own, let it go. Your job is to focus on God and be his son or daughter and do the next two things on the list. Honor God and then love others and serve all. Love the world around you, serve the world around you, and live an outward-bound life. You can't do that if you're constantly worried about what everybody thinks of you. And secondly, I know I'm not the only person here that needs to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from their life. Hurry is the enemy of your soul. Hurry is the enemy of your soul. And we're plagued by it. And we constantly feel like we're not getting enough done. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, it's similar, like, I feel like parenting is, is a similar thing. Like, it's just, you never get done with it. There's always another need. There's always another thing. There's always a place where you feel like you're falling short. There's always another place where you feel like you've disappointed everybody, and you're not keeping up because you're, you compare your kid to somebody else's kid, and you just, you get bogged down by guilt and shame, and you, you, just, you just get pummeled by it. And after a while, you, you start to lose yourself, you know? start to forget who you are. You start to forget your identity as God's beloved son or daughter. And you're not even celebrating what you're doing. You're always worried about what you're not doing. You're not, even, you're not even rejoicing in the things you get to do and the things you're doing well because you're constantly focused on what is undone. And as a result, you feel like you can never quite live up. You've got to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Create some boundaries and remember that you're a human being. What I had to tell myself at 33 is, hey, buddy, you get the same 24 hours as everybody else in the world gets. 
and you need to rest and you need to sleep and you need to set boundaries around the world around you so that you can be a healthy person. That's what Jesus did. You look to the scriptures, look, look at how Jesus operated. He was constantly, like in, in, in the New Testament, withdrawing to a quiet place. He would go away to pray, sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the evening. He would just withdraw, go be by himself. And every time he came back, there was like, there, one, of the, one, one of the disciples was there like checking his watch and tapping his foot like, like, where have you been? We've been searching everywhere for you. We see repeatedly in the New Testament. We've been looking everywhere for you. See this crowd of people? There's all these people that need you. In other words, look at all the work yet undone. Look at all the stuff that hasn't gotten done while you were off praying. And could we sidebar here for a minute? This is a whole other sermon, but like, did, did it escape your attention that like the very Son of God incarnate withdrew to pray to be alone with his Heavenly Father? Maybe we should do the same thing. No? Yeah, yeah, we should. But every time he withdrew to pray, think about it. Every time Jesus took time to be alone, to settle down and just be alone with his Father and pray, stuff was left undone. People were disappointed. Things did not get checked off the do list, and people were angry, and they're like, we've been waiting all this time. Jesus was not, apparently he was not concerned about that. He was more concerned about being alone with God and creating boundaries so he could connect with God. He wasn't just out doing ministry from sunup till sundown till he collapsed into exhaustion. That wasn't, I'm sure there were moments when he was exhausted, but if you look at the pattern, like, there's this story, you remember the story of Jairus? I don't know if you guys remember this. There's a guy in the New Testament, his name is Jairus, and his daughter is dying. Like Jairus' daughter, is, he's a temple official, and he, his daughter is dying. So he goes to Jesus and he pleads with Jesus, please, 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 you gotta come to my house. Like I need you to come to my house, and like now, minutes count, we gotta go. So Jesus starts trying to make his way towards Jairus' house, but he's in the middle of a crush. Jesus is fame is at its peak and there's just people all around everyone's trying to get to him and it's noisy and it's crazy and this poor guy Jairus is just trying to pull Jesus away so he could get to his daughter and what happens is there's a woman in the crowd do you remember this story there's a woman in the crowd that reaches out she's got a medical condition and she reaches out and she touches the hem of Jesus's robe and is healed and Jesus goes, whoa, 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 stop everything, hold everything, something supernatural just happened, I need to find out what's going on, and the whole time Jairus is like, no, 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 don't stop, we're not stopping, gotta go, and Jesus stops, and this woman stands up, and he goes, was it you, and she goes, it was me, and in the middle of this whole deal, all this craziness around him, Jesus just looks at this woman, and he goes, tell me your story. What happened? And he is fully present with this woman. Just right in the middle of all that craziness. I've never been able to find that kind of peace or presence, but I'm still searching for it, and maybe you are too. The person in front of you is always more important than the task on your do list. The person in front of you is always more important than whatever is, be is left undone because of the time you spent with them. And if we can figure out, church, how to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Put boundaries around the craziness. We're going to figure out how to be healthy 
And along the way, we're going to figure out how to honor God and love others and serve the world around us. And wouldn't that be a cool thing? But you won't be able to pull that off if you're owned by your busyness and your relentless drive to carry the weight of whatever you're carrying on your shoulders. Leave it at the cross and honor God with your life. You'll be so much happier and so much healthier, I promise. And with that, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this truth that we can leave those things with you, that we don't have to carry the weight of the world, that we don't have to please everybody and we don't have to get everything done, that we can actually have margins and boundaries and that, that that's good for us. Father, will you teach us to rest well? Will you please teach us how to maintain space around the perimeter so that we can breathe and be at peace? Teach us to honor you above all things that we're not worried about the opinions of others more than we worry about yours. And teach us to be fully present whoever we're with, reminding us daily that the person in front of us is always more important than the item on our do list. May it be so in my life, may it be so in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give. Or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.